Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. The good news is it's Friday. The better news is it's a fresh episode of Football Social Daily. But as with every ying, there is always a yang. And the bad news is on today's podcast, it's Steve McNaughton and Marley Anderson. <laughs> Hello, fellas. Wow. It's going to be a shortest <laughs> podcast ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strap yourselves in for the 10 minute episode. If you think you've got it rough, wait to hear what we've got yeah. in store for Jose Mourinho. I'm Jim yeah. Salverson. We've got plenty to get our teeth stuck into on today's podcast. Not least Tottenham's lacklustre, uninspired display in their London derby against Chelsea. Normally a game that has sparks and has excitement. That certainly wasn't the case last night. We'll talk about Thomas Tuchel's 1-0 win, making it seven points from nine in his Chelsea career and Jose's third loss in a row for Spurs. There's also some good news for Southampton yesterday. Jan Bednark's red card from the Manchester United game was made to disappear. David Louise will feel a little hard done by, however, after his very similar incident in Arsenal's game was left to stand. We'll discuss the rights and wrongs of the FA's calls in rescinding and not rescinding those red cards shortly. And there's some potential changes to the Champions League in the offing as well. We could see even more Premier League teams at the top table of European competition. I'll take you through the proposals and get the lads' reactions to those new ideas in a bit. But first, unfortunately, we have to start at Tottenham nil. Chelsea won. Chelsea have secured their spot as the second best team in London with that victory behind West Ham, of course. It happened at New White Hart Lane or whatever it's called. I watched the highlights of this game on Chelsea TV this morning. Wanted to go through them again. And the highlights in total were 2 minutes 30 long. 30 seconds of those highlights were the players coming out of the tunnel, which I think tells you everything you need to know about what quality this game had. It was a bit of a lacklustre performance from Tottenham it wasn't massively terrible from Chelsea but it wasn't particularly spectacular either and I guess that's how you can kind of sum up Thomas Tuchel's start at Chelsea isn't it Steve it's solid but not spectacular yeah and that's exactly what Thomas Tuchel needs to do isn't it really it's all about Chelsea getting wins at the minute 
And I think if it's not too spectacular, but it's very efficient, it's certainly a German way of going about things. And I just think that at the moment, Chelsea fans will will probably take that. I mean, don't, I don't think they will long term for like a season or two. But I think as they start to climb back up the table, because you know they were ninth when when Thomas Tuchel took over, and I think they've got up to sixth now, haven't they? And um, it's progress. You know, whatever way you dress it up, you know, getting a draw at home against Wolves and then beating Burnley and Tottenham is, is not bad at all. And I think they'll take that and I think they'll just kind of try and get a bit of momentum going before he starts making any sweeping changes to his style. What differences are you seeing, Marley, between the Tuchel reign and Lampard's reign? Um, other than the obvious, just, you know, a different system and a different way of getting some points. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's a slightly different way of playing the, the, the back three slash back five with the wing backs um, is, is interesting because, you know, you get players coming out of the... Out the cold, Matt Alonso, for example, just you know coming out of the uh, the spare room at Cobham training ground, thinking you know what well, bloody hell, I'm still a player here. I better actually put a shift in. Um, and he's he's one of the best left wing backs in the world. He's one of the worst left backs. It, it's so weird how he, a system can suit a player so much um, mm. compared to another one because he's useless when he plays left back and he has to defend. But do you think that's it for? Do you think that's it for Ben Chilwell? Because he's kind of been pushed to the sidelines now. Whereas he is, I hope not. Like, he's done nothing wrong, has he? Can he play left wing back though? Hundred percent, of course he can. He played there for he's played there for England. I think he's played mm. there for Leicester at times in the past as well. Um, and of the two players, Chilwell's a better player than Marcos Alonso, and he's about six or seven years younger as well. Because I think Alonso's mm. about thirty now, and Chilwell's I think he's about twenty four, something like that, twenty five maybe. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird one because. He's, I think he's been an unused sub for the, the last three games, um, all of Tuchel's reign so far, um, which is a nightmare. I've got him in fantasy teams, so I'm, I'm fuming because he's not getting any points for me. He's costing loads <laughs> of money. But on from his point of view, I mean, you know, 50, 50 million quid he cost in the summer. He hasn't put a foot wrong. He's scored goals. He's looked like a threat as well as a, um, a solid defender. Um, and all of a sudden, Marcus Alonso comes out of nowhere and uh, starts getting a pick. But... I think I think Chilwell's a better player, um, and he fits into the system. But obviously, Tuchel's got his his thinking and his he, what he wants to do. He's got Hudson Odoi. He wants to fit in on the other side as well. And you know, against the the lesser teams, he's going to drop you know a defensively capable right back like Reese James, like he did against Burnley, and play Hudson Odoi, which is probably clever enough. And then he's that desperate to get Hudson Odoi in the team last night that he played him uh, as a striker with Werner, like uh, right up the top. Mm. Um, it was a strange one because he, he didn't really get involved in the game Hudson Adoy at all um, and he's but you know he, he's got that reputation especially in Germany and, and among Germans you know when Bayern wanted him and Bayern were chasing him a few months uh, about 18 months ago or six months ago um, it seems like he's got this huge reputation that you know is a, a generational talent and um Everybody seems to want to want to play him, which is great for him. But obviously, it causes issues in a three-five-two because I don't really think it suits Hudson Odoi the best. It, it pushes other players out, like Reese James at right wing back, um, and striker like Tammy Abraham, who didn't play last night as well. It's interesting that suddenly we're talking about the embarrassment of riches that Chelsea has and how many good players they've got, whereas that maybe wasn't the case under Lampard. It's interesting how a few decent results can do that to a team. The big Talking point from the game was probably the Jorginho penalty. Ended up being the deciding factor. Foul on Werner. 
Mourinho said it wasn't a penalty and it's been a week of controversial calls, but can we add this one to the list of controversial calls, Steve? Yes. No, I don't, I'm not... Absolute, oh, really? Absolutely. I thought you were going to say absolutely not. No, I thought it was a I th- really clear-cut penalty. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm just not having that it was a penalty. I think Werner's dived. I think, you know, Dyer's being what? a bit rash, which I think... He kicks him. <laughs> he lies on the floor and Dyer I'm kicks not, the back of his leg. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm just not convinced. Having looked at it in slow motion... I think that, um, yes, Dyer's gone in and he's a bit rash because we know Eric Dyer's got that in his game because he's got a history of giving away penalties. But having looked at it, I just think with the faintest of touches, I think Werner's dived. And he's not the only one in the Premier League doing it. Um, you know, I think there's there's a real trend happening now where I think in the age of, of VAR, where I think that, 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 you know, players are knowing that if they have a look at something for long enough and um, they w- and they're trying to find something, which, which they do, they will, will inevitably find something. And I just, I'm just not convinced. But I just think that the game and the penalties that have been given at the minute are absolutely crazy. What do you think then, Marley? You, there was a noise of disgust then when Steve said it wasn't a penalty. For me, like, Werner could have gone down three or four times <laughs> under Dyer's challenges. He seemed to be taking yeah. repetitive kicks at his calves. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, if he goes down under the first contact, it's not a penalty. Because initially, Dyer is unorthodox in his challenge, but he does get the ball momentarily. And then when it sort of breaks loose and Werner, it's just like Dyer's trying to kick it away from from the floor. The ball's free. Um, And he tries to kick it away, but Werner gets his his ankle there first. And, you know, it's, it's one of them where you, whoever gets there first, whoever gets there second fouls him. So... I think it was mm. uh, a pretty clear penalty. I think, and the way the way Werner was just a little bit quicker was uh, was enough to give the foul. I think I think you're always going to get that these days, and especially when you've got the advantage of slowing it down and looking at VAR and seeing you know who got their leg there first. And Werner did it. Die went through the back of him. I don't think Mourinho can have any complaints really. But obviously, we've said that a lot about Mourinho in the past. He can't have any complaints, and he comes up with something. So he's ended yeah. up uh, having I mean... a go at it, but. <laughs> I think it. I think it was a clear one, a stonewall yeah. one. I think. I don't think it covers up how abject Tottenham are at the minute. You know, there's no doubt about that. Oh, but no, no and I'm and, I, and I'm not in, in the Jose Mourinho camp. I think that when they have lost games recently, some of the stuff he's come out and said is is bonkers. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. But I just think that. Uh, you know, with these penalties that are happening, it's just I just I'm convinced that the part of team talks, you know, with strikers and stuff like that, that if you if you feel anything or or if you're in a in a position, you know, go down because the chances are they're going to review it and review it and review it. And I think that um, last night, having listened to you, will be it will be a fifty fifty split on people who don't think that it was and people that think it was. And I think that's. Um, just where we are with the game at the minute. Um, I just don't think that we're not getting that mm. that clear cut, you know, ability to make a decision. Really, I think if Jose's looking for someone to blame, then he probably could claim that Carlos Vinicius was at fault for missing the chance late on. But as you say, it's difficult to pin it on one person. It's difficult to pin it on the absence of Harry Kane because the performance was just so abject. It was lacking in creativity. It was lacking in effort it was lacking in ideas and this isn't how Mourinho started his reign at Tottenham we remember before Christmas we were talking them as potential title challengers 
So what's changed? What has happened to Tottenham? And it can't be just they've gone all Spursy, because that we, we can't just claim that's what the problem is. Something fundamentally has changed, or seems to have changed, at that football club over the last four weeks, Marley. Yeah, it does. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say what it is um, because it's you know it's hard to to pinpoint it on one thing. But it's, it seems to me like you said you watched the highlights before. I wish I had because I watched a full game. And it was it was it was awful. Like it was really bad. Like Spurs, <laughs> first forty five minutes, I swear to God, they didn't get out the first the their own half at all. Like they didn't want to go and win the game. They didn't want to force any anything from Chelsea. Uh they didn't want to ask any questions, they didn't want to press them high, they they sat back um and, and sort of invited the pressure on. Chelsea were having sixty, seventy percent possession passing it round and doing nothing with it. Like they weren't they didn't look like scoring Chelsea. Even though they had all the ball in really good areas, there wasn't any sort of threat. There was one period in the match; it was about ten seconds of of, uh, of play where they crossed it from the right wing back. There was no one in the box. It went all the way across to the left wing back. He crossed it in, and it went all the way back to the right wing back again because there was no one in the box for Chelsea. There was no threat. <laughs> if you had Giroud and Abraham in there, they'd, they'd probably scored. But it summed up Chelsea, and then the reaction to how Chelsea are playing was not to go and attack them because, you know, I I still think. At the minute, we don't know how good Chelsea are. Like we don't, we we don't know that mm. they're comfortable in the system. He's a new manager with new ideas. I think you need. I think this Chelsea team are gonna be as bad as they are now. Like they're only gonna get better. That's basically what I'm saying. They're only gonna get better. So when you have a chance to go at them in the manager's third game, his first ever away game, uh, in a derby, and you sit back and you 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 just roll over and let them let them do what they want. I think it's ridiculous because. It's such a negative way of playing that you, you allowed Tuchel to just do what he wanted with the match, um, and even then they mm. only they needed a, a penalty to to get through you because they were that um, they weren't great going forward. But as a as a, a sort of opposite to that, you didn't have a go at them at all at the back because you know you just sat there, sat in their own half, and then second half they were slightly better, but still. Never ever looked like scoring. It was always going to win one nil. As soon as that first half whistle went for the second half, you just knew it was going to end one nil. Um, so, yeah, really disappointed with Spurs because Mourinho, obviously, you know he's got he's got the players to do better as well. I I don't think that you can go. I don't think if they went head to head with Chelsea, toe to toe, really took them on, played sort of aggressively and attackingly. I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they can't that they don't win that game. Like it's it's probably a fifty fifty. I think that that's what I find really frustrating is there are creative players in that Tottenham team. There are generational talents in that Tottenham team. You've got I was gonna say, I said generational talents and I'm gonna mention Eric Lamella, which doesn't really go hand in hand, but he's a decent player, Eric Lamella. You've got Lucas Mora, you've got Stevie Bergvine, you've got a Hoy. A Hoy- You've got Son playing in there as well. And then, I mean, you've got even Carlos Vinicius is, is capable of scoring a goal. And you've got Gareth Bale on the bench, who everyone had massive hopes for when he came back to Spurs. And it's just not happening at the moment. There was a really interesting part in his press conference, where in the television press conference, where Mourinho was asked why Bale didn't come on. And his reply was, good question. You do not deserve to know the answer. So I've no idea what he means by that, but it doesn't seem like Gareth Bale is. Really yeah, there's, weird, there's clearly something going on. Especially as it, especially as it was a woman that asked it. How strange! Like, 
that never helps. Mm. Like you know, when you when you're being a bit of a bit short with a with a, a female yeah. reporter, you you never come out of it looking very well. Um, and especially, I think he got five thousand retweets <laughs> on Twitter last night, and that was before I went to bed. So he's uh, he's not make he's not no. making it easy for himself, is he, Mourinho? He's he's doing that thing of going into his shell and, and fighting anybody that comes near him. Um, and that's not that's not going to win you win your favours in in the media. The media are going to turn on you quicker than they would have. Um, and Daniel Levy is not a man who is known for his for his patience. Well, what does he do, Daniel Levy, then, Steve? Because third consecutive loss for Tottenham. Last time they did that was 2012 under Villas-Boas. What happens to Mourinho? Does he continue in the job? And what happens after this job? Is that it? Is that him done now? Because he's had a lot of failures at various clubs. Next, it's, it's West Brom this weekend as well. And the way Spurs are playing, you wouldn't fancy him getting a result there either. I mean, just to, to, to pick the bones apart on that then, I think that um, Daniel Levy probably gives him another few games you know, to try and get, get some more points on the board. I think the problem is with Jose now is that, uh, you, he's, you're right, he has got creative players at, at Tottenham and he's got a lot of them as well. There's a lot of talent. Some of the names that you reeled off then um, and also including a particular Mr Gareth Bale. Um, but Mourinho teams aren't known for being creative are they you know it's very pragmatic it's very kind of um you know very disciplined and very structured and i just think that there's a there's a bit of imbalance there between the manager's philosophy and the squad that's at tottenham i just think that you know gareth bale i've said it on on the podcast before if i use him as an example is is a genuine world-class player on his day he's been he's the goals he scored, the the physique, the the energy. The yes, he's been injured, but he, he seems to be fit at the minute. He's won a mountain of of medals at Real Madrid, and I just can't understand why you wouldn't play him instead of Vinicius last night. Um, I don't. Something's going wrong behind the scenes there. That there's maybe I don't know. They don't get on, or um, you know, he's he's not really bought into the vision or something like that. But. I just think it's the same thing that happens every kind of eighteen months, two years with with Spurs, isn't it? You know, and I think that mm. they had it so good with Pochettino, um, you know, Champions League final, and yes, we were all surprised that they were in the Champions League final, um, but it was massive progress for Tottenham as a club. They'd moved into a new stadium, um, they had one of the brightest managers in world football, I think, uh, you know, in Pochettino, and it's just like. You know, it got tricky. They give Pochettino the boot, and I think, you know, we we've applauded Southampton for sticking with Hasenhutl for after getting beat nine 0 at home by Leicester, and they have reaped the benefits of that. And obviously, they got smashed again in in midweek, um, but you know, they were down to nine men, um, and I think that Tottenham, they haven't got a playing style. They're not famous for anything. You know, you don't. You think that Jose's going to park the bus? I mean, he tried. To, he didn't park the bus so much against Liverpool because he fancied us with having a weak defence. Um, so he tried to kind of have a bit of a go, and then just obviously got picked off. Um, so I think there's lots of questions about Tottenham. I think I'm not convinced on Jose as a manager there, and I think that Jose's stock has plummeted. Uh, you know, mm. I just think that the jobs that he's taken that, that haven't really panned out. I just think that. He's in danger of... Well, he's not in danger. I think he's been left behind. I think, you know, you look at some managers and you just think the game's moved on and, you know, players are different, that media relations are different. I mean, you know, don't be a 
with the media because you need the media on your side. I think, you know, and, and I didn't know that it was a female reporter that, that asked the question to him last night. Um, I've just seen that he'd said that. Um, and it's just, it, it's completely unnecessary. It doesn't help anyone. And, you know, it's it's a perfectly valid question. You know, what is going on with Gareth Bale? But just to say you don't deserve to know the answer is just, it's petty and it's embarrassment to Tottenham Hotspur mm-hmm. Football Club. And I just think that, I think Daniel Levy is the type of guy who's going to give it two or three more games. And if they, if they drop points again, he's going to go, do you know what? I'm going to have to twist it. I'm not going to stick with it any longer. And then the question is for Tottenham is, who do you go out and get? Because the first name that's just come into my head is Allegri. Um, because I just think there's not a massive amount of options out there for him to go for at present. Eddie Howe? Uh, probably not, no. Not for Tottenham. Um, I think that I can see Eddie Howe going to someone like... in it right now for him. Yeah. I, I think he was being linked with the Arsenal job not that long ago. I, I think, you know, I, I think someone will take a punt on Eddie Howe at some point because I think there's a bright young manager in there. But I think that someone like... I think someone like Palace, he might get the Palace job if Hodgson retires at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> Lucky him. Um, but, you know, but... but it's a damning assessment. Yeah, that but, but no, but that is a step up from Bournemouth, isn't it? If we're going to be totally honest about it, yeah. Crystal Palace had a bigger football club than Bournemouth. And I think if he could... I know we're speaking dead hypothetically here and we're just kind of riffing, if you like. And I, But I think that if he was to take a job like that and... You know, kind of consolidate their position in the middle of the Premier League table, and you know, get some good results, and maybe have a couple of decent cup runs. Someone might go. Actually, there's an Arsenal job or there's an Everton job or um, the, the Leicester job or you know, or something like that, where they go. You know, well, let's give Eddie a shout. But you know, from a Spurs point of view, it's just this crossroads again, isn't it? That that happens, like I say, every eighteen months, two years. Where is what are Tottenham yeah. going to do? It's, it, we, we said before Mourinho was appointed that if he got the job, it was going to be kind of last chance saloon time. It was his last chance to make an impact in a big job. And it's hard to see that changing. Really, it's hard to see where he ends up from here. You know, with Mourinho, like the thing, you know, we all say that like, you know his negative style and almost. I think if if Mourinho was English, we'd be kind of saying. The game's left him behind. You know when you see these managers, mm. Allardyce, Bruce, Pulis, Hughes, and you say, well, the game's left him behind. Why do they keep getting employed? It's not like that with Mourinho because of his success in the past. So we can criticise yeah. his style and stuff like that, but he won an, 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 uh, a treble with Inter like this, um, the Champions League, the Italian Cup, and Serie A, and he won trophies at Porto and Chelsea and everything like that, playing like this. So like, mm. it's, it's really hard for him to change his style because he, he's... He still thinks it works, and he's got the proof that it works as well. Ten years ago, but also, football's ten years in football is a long, long time. So, you know, if if the game's changing and you're not, it can look a bit sort of you know outdated. And and the way you know you're not going to win a league title by defending and counterattacking people for for 38 games because you've got to win 28 out of 38 mm. games, pretty much by being you know just taking the odd chance on the counter-attack and it's a really risky way of going at things, I think. As I mentioned earlier, there were a couple of controversial red cards given last week in the Premier League in the midweek games. One's been rescinded, one's not. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Yesterday we got the news out of the two red cards that were appealed in Tuesday night's midweek Premier League games. One would be rescinded, despite both of the fouls that led to the red cards appearing to be exactly the same. David Luiz's red versus Wolves, that still stands, but Southampton's Jan Bednark's red against Manchester United in their 9-0 hammering. That has now been removed, rescinded, no longer exists. He's free to play, which is good news for Southampton because they're dead thin on the ground in terms of playing staff at the moment. Now, both cards caused some controversy when they were given at the time. Does it feel like with Bednarks being rescinded and Louise's standing that justice has been done, Marley? Um, I think both decisions were, were right on, on in terms of the appeal. I think the the two challenges weren't the same. Um, they're different. Um, as much as they might look similar, I think they're completely different because um, with William Jose against David Luiz, I think there's there's contact, um, there's mm. clear contact. It's not much, but I think Jose pulls his foot back to try and score. He's, he's about to shoot, and the the slight touch um, from Luiz's knee is uh, is is enough to put him off balance. Um, he, and so- exactly, even though, because it was almost like Jose kind of in, he makes the contact. It's his, his leg moving back rather than David Luiz's leg moving forward. Yeah, but I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was. You don't think it's even a penalty? I don't think it was a penalty. You don't think anything was a penalty this week? What's going on? <laughs> Liverpool well, were you know, listen, I was going to say uh, Liverpool you know, didn't get a dodgy one, did they? Uh, uh, but I don't, I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was It was very unfortunate. I mean, listen, David Luiz is a clown. We all know he is. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. And he's got a lot of that in his game. But I've watched it again before before um, uh, we come on air this morning. And I'm like, oh, he's unlucky there. Um, I think he's unlucky. And the other one, the, the Bednart one, um, CJ, I can say it quite easily, um, is, you know, Martial's dived, um, you know, all day. I agree with that. I think he has definitely dived. Bednarek should never have been sent off for that. Um, especially when Mike Dean took about 15 looks at it on the VAR camera and still couldn't see that that Martial was trying to go down before he, uh, before he even, you know, tried to shoot. I think mm. it's it's good to see the appeal work, um, especially with the way Southampton are at the minute. I think you know they've they've got eleven injuries at the minute, so they're they're in danger of not being able to get a team out, uh, which is good news for Newcastle. But they'll still beat us on Saturday, and I'll come on the podcast on Monday morning moaning uh, again <laughs> about Southampton beating us like I did last time when they beat us at St Mary's, but. That's one to look forward to next week. But the the appeal was was right. I think you know, Martial. Do you know what? As well, it proved to me as well that Martial is not a proper centre forward because how many how many strikers would go to the ground seven yards from goal in front of an open like practically an mm. open goal? And Martial's first thought was, "I'm going to dive here." Was, was he on a hat trick by that point as well? Or uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, because then Bruno scored the penalty and James scored after that. Yeah. So I think he was. Yeah. Um, and instead of thinking I'm going to put this in, I'm going to he just hit the floor and thought I'll get a penalty here. Mm. Um, but that, that's a, that's a slightly different different way to look at it. But Benrek should never have been sent off, especially with the with VAR and Mike Dean won't come into any any criticism for this either, which is weird because um, he's got he's got the call wrong on the field and then he's got the VAR thing wrong because it's been overturned. But he'll still manage. Uh, a Premier League game this weekend, he'll still be in the middle for something, uh, being the centre stage as he is. But Louise, uh, Louise will have to sit out for I think it's, it's three games as well for a straight red. So mm. he's uh, he, he's knackered, but 
something he didn't do, but I still think it was a penalty. Um, some, something he didn't mean, I should say. Both were really similar incidents, even though the contact is probably the difference that's made the difference with the uh, the peel and the, the rescinding of the red card. Neither was an attempt to play the ball, but both led to that red card. Is there a problem with the rules here? Because for me, it's a stupid rule. The fact that if you foul a defender in the box and you're not making an attempt to play the ball, you get a red card. If they'd gone in and clattered the opposition but tried to get the ball, that wouldn't be a red card because of the double jeopardy rule. But because there was no intention to play the ball, it's not a red And you can kind of understand the intention of the rule here. The intention is to stop people just taking out a player and stopping them going in on goal or getting like the, the kind of cynical professional foul. It's trying to eliminate that. And it's really difficult from a refereeing point of view to prove intent. There's no such thing as intent in the game, is there? It's like you, you, it, it's, it's got to do with the physical action rather than what was in the player's head because you can't prove that. But it seems like a crazy rule that an accidental collision in the box is worse or can be punished more severely than someone kicking seven bells out of the opposition, Steve. Yeah, I think it's bonkers. I just think that we're just in a really weird space with with rules and and rule changes and refereeing standards and and the way that VAR has been managed. I just think it's a, it's an absolute show at the minute. And we're watching games at midweek of a weekend, and we're just getting four or five different incidents where we're just like, eh, you know, when it happens and. You know, I just think it's become an uh, it's just become an absolute joke, and you know, and it's just a mockery now. Um, you know what's what's gone on, and as you say, I just think that there's got to be some kind of reform on it, and I think obviously doing it in the middle of a season is very difficult, and I think some heads have got to be banged together, to be honest. And yet, West Ham still have no penalty in the Premier League this season. What's going on with that? It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> the other <laughs> Premier League news we need to deal with is some potential changes around the Champions League from 2024 onwards. This has been reported in The Telegraph this morning that the future of the Champions League could involve six Premier League teams. So six teams from our top division qualifying for the Champions League. That would result in 10 group games being played by each team that qualified. So I assume that's, that's groups of six, I think, is it, from my terrible maths. I think that's how I've worked that out. Does that seem like a good idea? I mean, for someone like you, Steve, you're a Liverpool fan, you're kind of expecting to qualify anyway. So I guess from that point of view, you, you want less English teams in the competition. You want it to feel more exclusive, don't you? Well, the, the, the name says it all, the Champions League. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I think to have the idea of having six Premier League teams in the Champions League makes a mockery of the elite status of the competition. You know, the Champions League should be the best of the best across Europe. There's no doubt about it. And if you get, I don't know, like some some random team like Everton finishing fifth one year and getting in the Champions League. I just, I was going to say, <laughs> you know what? Team like Everton. I was going to say West Ham then, Jim, but I didn't want to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> <Be fair>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, anyway, but I just think like, you know, if you get like kind of the likes of a team like Everton, West Ham, Wolves, um, uh, Southampton, or, you know, people of, of that ilk who have not got into the top four I just think that that is a crazy idea. And the second part of that is, you know, if we're, if we're talking about potentially playing in group games, um, it's not like we don't have enough fixture congestion as it is, is it? 
Uh, you know, it's just like it's not like we're trying to kind of cram in as many games because the muscle injuries that have been happening this season and the the players pulling up. Marley's team had it horrific this year. You know, this year with with muscle injuries. Um, Liverpool have have been obviously ruined by injuries this season, and Southampton are struggling to get a team out. You know, at the weekend, mm. and I just think that putting more fixtures in. And all the travel across Europe, because we're not liking a pandemic or anything, um, is is just kind of bonkers. I just think the whole idea sucks. And I, I'm surprised by it because I heard that there was going to be a third European competition for teams that are like some like 8th to 10th or something. Like a, I can't remember what it was going to be called. Yeah, but the it was, com- Conference League. The Conference League or something like that, where it was going to be below the Europa it League. It sounds bad, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, that's a crap name, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and I just think that... Um, I think European football is obviously heading for some kind of reform. I think the financial issues that people are having, I mean, the news coming out of Inter Milan is absolutely horrendous um, at the minute. I just think that a lot of these big European teams that are in crippling debt situations like Inter Milan, Barcelona are in the absolute financially. Um, You know, they owe over a billion pounds that creditors are coming calling by the 30th of June for. And I just think it's it's going to help with that Euro- European Super League. And I think, mm. you know, we, we could end up in a situation where the Champions League becomes the second competition um, and, and the Europa League third and Conference League and uh, Europa Vars trophy, uh, you know, could... Um, you know, could be kind of fifth or whatever it is. I just think it, European football is is in a bit of a mess at the minute. It's interesting you mentioned the European Super League because for me, this Champions League proposal feels like a way to stave off any Super League talk. Because the other thing that's been leaked about this reform is in the Times they're saying that there'll be a system in place where the big teams (inverted commas) don't need to worry about where they finish in the league. So according to the new rules, if you are classed as a big team, and I'm assuming this is like the Manchester Uniteds and the and the Liverpools of this world, you get passage to the competition anyway, no matter where you finish, which kind of goes against the whole ethos of the competition, Marley. Yeah, it goes against everything that, that's football, isn't it? You know, the, there's nothing better than seeing somebody punch above their weight. I mean, <clears throat> Leicester being title winners in 2016 was probably the best football story to ever come out of it, uh, out of football. Um you know, it's, that's what it's about. I mean, how how bad would it be if, you know, I don't know, let's just say Leicester. Let's say Leicester win the title and, you know, Man United finish 10th. But because because of this new league, Man United still qualify for the Champions League or this whatever they, they decide mm. to call it in the future, Super League or whatever. Um, and then Leicester have to put up with, like, going into the Europa League or something like that. It's just not... It's not football. It's not what it's about. I mean, it's competitive, and it's just the the rich trying to look after the rich and make it exclusive so they can um, spend more financially in the future and not have any risk against it. It's they're, they're trying to minimise the risk and draw that that bridge up around their their little exclusive castle type of thing. And I think any any football fan with their head screwed on knows that it's a it's a terrible idea because even though the football might be decent every week, you get to see. Bayern versus Barcelona every Wednesday rather than Burnley against Aston Villa. You know, it's not exactly good for for competition. It it's not it's not ex- it's too exclusive and it's not what football's about. I don't think and I f- the one thing that annoys me about the whole thing is the um there seems to be this insistence on changing the Champions League at the minute like as if it's not working. I don't I don't see anything wrong with the Champions League at all. I can't 
think of anything. I think there's too, I think there's too many teams in it already. I, I'd like I to see a Champions League. I don't think 32 teams is that much. There's 64 in the, in the Europa. I'd like to see a Champions League where it is just the big teams, where it is just the champions from each nation. And then the Europa League, that becomes the people below but it. But even if you... I think that's daft, because if you put the champions of every every team in, you know, then you've got a, uh, the champions of every league, and then you've got, you know, you do miss out on some genuinely massive sides. Um, and then it becomes a little bit weaker, I think, because you won't, you'll have Barcelona or Real Madrid or Atletico in the in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it works perfectly as it is. I, th- I, th- I think the seeding works well. The coalition, um, uh, coalition, coefficient rating thing works well with how many places are awarded to every league. I think the the share of the places is right. I think England should get four. Spain should get four. Um, I think France France get two um, and three in a playoff spot. I think um, and Italy get three or four as well. And I think it all works. I think the knockout stages work yeah. well. Two legs, um, you know, home and away legs. That can even be chopped down to one if you really wanted to change things like it was last season because that made the games a little bit more exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I don't see anything. I don't see the massive clamour to change things because I think everything's working. What about the Europa League then? Because if this Champions League suggestion does come to fruition, if it is six teams or whatever it is qualifying for the Champions League it means the Europa League is going to be like ninth, tenth place which just seems to again it makes a mockery of European competition doesn't it Steve? Yeah. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to see the teams finishing tenth playing on the European stage yeah, I, I, I totally agree and I think that um, you know obviously I think what, what they're doing at the minute is they're trying to um, address the financial impact that, that coronavirus has had on on a lot of these football clubs by thinking that um, you know the more the merrier really, but it doesn't work like that because there's some sporting integrity in there, of course, isn't there? Like like we've said already, and I just think that you know if you were kind of seeing I don't know Crystal Palace against. Livorno uh, from Italy or something like that. I just don't think that that's going to be essential <laughs> viewing on on the, the you know the, the football stage across the world. I think the Europa League gets really tasty as it gets into the knockout stages, doesn't it? Um, you know because all the big guns yeah, when the Champions yeah, League drops down exactly. Into it. That's when you're thinking, oh my god, you know, you look at someone like I don't know um, Sevilla playing playing Man United for example um, you know United absolute giant of a football club and Sevilla with that really strong European pedigree you think that's a really good match to get stuck into and watch and I just think that they do have to find a way to keep it to keep it relevant and keep the integrity there because I'm I mean I can't remember who's is it Seat who's the big sponsor of the Europa League I think it might it might be might and it's someone like that Um I'm not sure they'd be into spending their money watching kind of um, uh, potentially um, uh, Fulham versus, um, like I say, Cologne, FC Cologne or something like that. I just think that they've got to find a way to um, keep the integrity and monetize it in the correct manner. So the splits that the teams are getting from TV rights and stuff like that helps financially because there's there's no doubt about it that the coronavirus pandemic has had a huge impact on finances. And I think that... Um, when fans are allowed back in the stadium, which hopefully will be later this year, but certainly towards the end of the year, um, I think that that will make things a lot better. And it's just all this kind of, you know, should we put more teams in? Should we have ninth and 10th in the Europa League and stuff like that? And should we have this 
um, uh, you know, Charity Shield Europa thing going on and all. I just think someone's got to press pause on it all and just go, oh, right, let's kind of be logical about this and let's think about what having those teams come into the competition does from a damage point of view. Um, I, but you, you way for aren't fit for purpose, you know, and, we, and we've said this many times on the podcast and the amount of stuff that you wafer as an organisation get wrong is incredible. Um, and I, I agree with Marley. I just think keep the Champions League as it is. It's dead exciting. Um, the two-legged format is, is fantastic. I mean, we might only have one game um, in just over a week's time against RB Leipzig um, because the Liverpool team aren't allowed into Germany. Mm. And I think that that's a shame if that happens, that it is played over one leg. Um, but... The two-legged, you know, you get beat 2-0 away and you think, actually, that's not a bad result because if we get an early goal um, at home, it's game on and, and we need to keep all that and it's got to be the best of the best going at each other. We're going to talk transfers next. You might have thought that the transfer window, well, the transfer window is closed. You might have thought the transfer chat was ended, but there's a few free transfers that potentially could be picked up over the next few weeks by Premier League clubs. We'll look at the best of the best next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're going to finish off today's podcast with a bit of transfer chat. Now, there's loads of speculation going on at the moment about the future of Lionel Messi and him signing a new contract at Barcelona. So no doubt next summer, we're going to be talking about who's going to be taking Messi on a free transfer. But even though the window's closed now, there's still a load of free agents doing the rounds. A few freebies that can be snapped up by potential Premier League clubs. From the list of free agents that I sent, you guys earlier so Stephen Marley have had the full list of players that are available I want to know which Premier League managers could potentially look to strengthen their squads by bringing in a freebie so a small selection of the players that are available Diego Costa Daniel Sturridge Umar Nias Samir Nasri they're all on the free transfer list at the moment some out of contract last season some out of contract just at the beginning of 2021 if you were going to pick one of those players to go and join up with one Premier League manager, Steve. Who would it be and why would you go for them? It's a toss-up between Diego Costa and Daniel Sturridge um, because I, I probably have both of them at Liverpool at this moment in time. Wow. Um, you know, I would say from my point of view because I think, you know, we, we have a Divock Origi-sized problem at Liverpool where he is just offering nothing. Um, you know, he, he just does nothing, and I don't. And, know what's... and could Daniel Sturridge offer more than Origi? Well, yeah, I think that um, <laughs> I th- I think that um, if you look at the, you know, I know we're talking about Liverpool for a minute here, like that, you know, but um, I think that if you talk about that one-on-one Divock Origi had at Anfield against Burnley, where he's gone through and he's absolutely smashed it for miles out and hit the crossbar, um, I think Daniel Sturridge. Bridge, rounds the keeper, slides it in, or he gets a bit closer and curls it in with his left foot. I just think that um, Diego Costa... I think his hamstring is... goes as soon as he runs onto it. <laughs> I know, but we'd, at least we'd have got a, we'd have got a one-all Marley. And that, yeah, we'd, we'd have got a one-all Marley. <laughs> you know, but um, I think Diego Costa would be someone that you know you'd bring off the bench if you, you were up against it and you wanted someone to rattle a few cages. You'd bring him on. I mean, I know we're never going to do it, but I just think that for me, for me if, if I had to kind of make some decisions, Alex Teixeira, I remember from his Shakhtar, the next 
days, he, he very, very nearly joined Liverpool and at the last minute changed his mind and went to China. I wonder why. Um, and uh, he's just got fell into obscurity mm-hmm. now. I think Diego Costa's a really interesting one and I could see a number of Premier League clubs potentially going in for him. He was linked with a move to West Ham on the final day of the season and it was a move that I thought I could really see it working. Again, as you say, being that potential player that comes off the bench for the last 20 minutes. But, I mean, we talked about Spurs earlier and their lack of goal scoring. You could just see Diego Costa working at Spurs and I know they've got Carlos Vinicius who kind of plays that role now, but you can imagine him being an absolute at Spurs and just working back with Mourinho, old partnerships and all that. You could see that really sparking off. But who would you go for, Marley, out of the list of free transfers? Wil- Wilfred Boney's on there as well, by the way. Just spotted his name on the free transfer list. I didn't know he was wow. still, still playing. Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a bargain bucket, isn't it? It's like mm. a complete uh, basement deals type of thing. But, but... It's kind of almost work, worth the risk, isn't it? And a lot of these players will nice. demand big signing on fees or big wages because they're coming in on a free. But because there's no transfer fee, you kind of like you kind of almost fancy a punt. Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think to be honest, the only one I, uh, on that list that you that you sent was um, was Diego Costa. I think he's been playing it. Um, a top level for for years now. I think he's been at Atletico for three or four years. Um, he's only just left there. He wasn't frozen out there as well. Um, he was still playing the odd game um, up front for them. So he's he's fit. He's playing. He's uh, he's still got something to offer him. So when you look at the rest of them, Daniel Sturridge has his injury problems, has his attitude problems. His his betting thing was is still lingering over him. Um, He's not been the player he was at Liverpool in, in 2013, 2014, when he was one of the best in Europe. Um, and he hasn't been for seven years. So to to sort of expect him to, to rediscover that form, I think you're asking a bit too much now. I think he's, his ship sailed um, a long time ago, to be honest. But It feels like he's had a few chances now, hasn't it, to recapture it, and he's just not really yeah. taken those chances. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, when you don't... When you go to Turkey, you don't even do it in Turkey, you know. You, you kind of... You 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 passed the last chance saloon there, I think. Um, so I think he's he's pretty much done. Um, if he can get to get a move to America, maybe then great. But not not back to England in in any way. I don't think. Um, Sami Nasri as well, similar similar attitude issues. I don't know how much he really wants to play football. Um, he's got other things going on in his life. He'd want a huge signing on fee. I think he's mid thirties now. Um, he's closer to retirement than making a comeback. Um, Texera's probably got enough money to to see him, he, him, his kids, his grandkids all through their life thanks to China. So don't know how much he'd be interested in coming and playing in the Premier League. But Diego Costa's different, I think, because he's got something. Um, his attributes don't rely on physical um, stuff like his pace. Like he never really had pace, so he's still got his physical strength. He's still got his height and his his attitude to to trying to win games. Um, so if you could get him to the Premier League for six months, then great. But I don't think anybody will take a punt on him. And I think he'll he'll either go back to Brazil, maybe, mm. or to um, to America, or or maybe even China. But um, yeah, he's he's the one you would pick from there. But I can't see anyone actually doing a deal for him anytime soon. Interesting, you mentioned Samir Nasri because obviously former West Ham player, he played a few a handful of games for us and looked reasonable when he did play but I've just looked up his stats and since he left Manchester City obviously went to Sevilla on loan for a little bit then came back was let go by Manchester City in 2017 since then he has played a grand total of 20 games of professional football 
So you can see how his, his star has fallen. Everything. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right, that's it for football. But, so to be fair, Sammy and Nasri give us the best uh, the best Twitter night of all time when he's uh, when his girlfriend hacked his account a few years ago <laughs> and uh, a scorned scorned girlfriend was uh, just went to town on him. Yeah. But if you've never seen that, please look it up. It's on it's, it's on Google. It's on Twitter. It's on everything. It's hilarious. So he, have a look at that. He's never going to get a job as a social media manager anywhere, is he? <laughs> That's <laughs> nope, not his future. Nope. Right. That is it for Football Social Daily. Steve Marley, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Later on, well, tomorrow morning, first thing, you'll be able to get the preview podcast, which looks ahead to all the Premier League action, all the games this weekend. Niall and the team will be here looking ahead to those. And we'll see you next time for another podcast on Football Social Daily. Get the website too, sport-social.co.uk, for all your latest football news. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.